Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how you doing, sir? Oh. Sorry, John, I'm just surfacing from this ocean dwelling that I find myself in. Had to make sure I held my breath underwater enough so as to not implode underwater. But I'm doing good, my friend. I'm doing good. I'm up. I'm dry again. Ready to talk films with the good self, uh, especially tonight's one. Uh, but I must know, you keeping Florida safe and well. How are you doing? I'm okay, man. I, I heard Carrot Top is upset with you for stealing some of his bits. But aside from God that, damn it. Um, you know, it's super hot here. Uh, and I, I, we could benefit from the trench, I think, uh, in Florida right now. We could use Someone some could. of the cooler water um, and whatever that thermoshield thing is that apparently stops things from traveling unless you're in a submarine or it explodes who knows um so uh how about you bud how's it doing over there in old jolly england in blighty it's doing okay it's going it is what it is uh not to say that i live an uninteresting life john because i do but since the last episode there is really nothing major that's happened over here to really uh dive into shall we say test the waters with um or jump the shark i'm trying guys um no everything's good no good uh this film gave me some kind of entertainment and uh for reasons that i'll mention later on it's been a bit of a chill one and i dig it but um i'm glad that you're okay my friend i'm glad that you survived the experience that we're going to speak about tonight now folks uh what he's alluding to and what he's made several references to in fact is we're talking this week about the meg Crap, I did it. I did it. You, you, did, you yeah. messed me up. It's not The Meg, folks. It's just Meg 2 colon The Trench. Um, I knew that going in that there's no the at the front, but I, I didn't even I didn't even bother to type the name of this Spoke movie this into our, our show notes, man. Meg 2 The Trench. Um, not the best name for a variety of reasons. Uh, yes. This movie um, is directed by Ben Wheatley, uh, written by John Hober, Eric Hober and Dan George George Garris, I'm gonna say. Um, stars Jason Statham, Jing Wu, ooh, Shuya Sophia Kai, Cliff Curtis, Paige Kennedy, Sergio Paris, Manchetta, and Skylar Samuels. Uh, a research team encounters multiple threats while exploring the depths of the ocean, including a malevolent mining operation. That is not in the trailer, folks. Wow. That is uh, IMDb getting a little deeper into what the plot actually is versus what the trailer is showing you. Um, people, it, it, as one might expect of, for a movie like this, the critics don't like it. 28% Rotten Tomatoes. Audience, I'm a little shocked at the audience. I got to be honest. 72% too high, folks. Um 40 Metascore, 5.5 IMDb User Score, and a 2.3 Letterbox. Um, so I think before we get into our thoughts on the Meg, dang it, Meg to the Trench, let's talk about the Meg and the director of this film, Ben Wheatley. Um, mm. Because I I went into the first movie, The Meg, expecting to be very disappointed. Um, I can't believe how long ago it was. Uh, 2018, John Turtletop's mm-hmm. movie, The Meg. Um and Turtle Top, if you're not familiar with him by name, Cool Runnings, uh, National Treasure movies, um, and a, a bunch of, you know, uh, I didn't realize he did Three Ninjas, um, a bunch of other movies that, you know, you've probably heard of and maybe like or maybe don't like. But 
the Meg, I ended up having a pretty good time with. Like, I didn't think it was a brilliant movie, but I actually enjoyed watching it. I was having fun. It moved pretty, like, steadily throughout the film. Like, I didn't feel like it dragged or, like, overstayed its welcome. Um, and so I was actually a little excited for the Meg. Mm, Meg to the Trench. They really they really messed me oh, up man. with that name. Um, and, and then uh, Ben Wheatley. So I... If you don't know him by name, folks, um, he is a director who has done some really cool movies that don't resemble Meg to the Trench. Um, that's and that's what was kind of surprising. I'm trying to pull up his his IMD or not his IMD, but his filmography. So, like, I really like Free Fire. Uh, I thought Free Fire was great. Um, I am kind of a fan of High Rise. Uh I, I would like to rewatch it, but that's the Tom Hiddleston. Um, like it's basically a Snowpiercer in a building, um, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed that movie uh, a, a little bit. I didn't love it, but I did like it. Um, and then he had a horror movie uh, called In the Earth a couple yeah. years ago that was that I liked a lot. Um, yeah. I I had planned on watching his his take on Rebecca because I am a Hitchcock fan. I of course have seen Rebecca, really mm-hmm. like Rebecca. I just never got around to it. Partly because the Army Hammer stuff kind of happened around the same time, and I was like, "Oh!" Yeah, and then I heard it wasn't very good, so I was just like, "You know what? I can probably skip it." Um, and I haven't seen the Kill List, but I've heard that's really good. Um, but so I was like, "Oh, cool! This is a this is a weird movie for him to choose to do." Maybe he has some kind of cool take that he wants to bring to it, and I don't I don't think that was what happened. Uh, it doesn't feel like it. But Matt, what do you, you have any? thoughts on the first meg ben wheatley um the f- f- same as you almost with the with the meg from 2018 2018 i remember I um thinking at the time uh, and now that it's 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 a film about a giant shark which jathan statham must fight it's a 75 foot shark which is causing chaos and destruction um i also remember at the time thinking i think the pg13 rating 12a held it back somewhat uh i think mm. uh, i didn't need to be blood and guts but i do think it felt a little bit restrained but i also think they were going for that uh pg-13 box office money uh which is obviously yeah. got because here we are now and i didn't dislike it it was it was fun it was clearly ridiculous it was a bit of fun i, I still remember it not being it didn't quite lean into its weird premise as much as it could have done um mm. but it was it was okay it wasn't I remember you and I both going into it actually thinking it was going to be a bit of a crapshoot and ended up coming yeah. out thinking that wasn't too bad. I'm pretty sure we covered it yep. on, on, on the show way back when, but and as for Ben Wheatley, he, um, uh, he's born not far away from where my daughter was born. So, you know, respect for that, uh, though many, many years before and yeah, in the earth really, really like that film. Great. English, or sorry, British horror film. High rise is okay. Free fire. I was one of the ones who, who liked it. I, I didn't love it, but I, I liked it for what it was. Um, I have seen kill list. And again, it's pretty good. Rebecca, if you're going to take on Hitchcock, you know, fairly, okay. Do something a bit. It's different a risk. Time, yeah. And I know RDJ is thinking about taking on Vertigo. Or he is, I think, um, which is a big, big, big thing to do. But, uh, but Ben Wheatley though, as a, as a director, I think he's a very competent director. I think he's a very good director. I think I like his style. I like his eye for uh, a visual. And I was floored to hear that he was directing this JB. And like you, I assumed that there must've been a reason why he had taken this other than the cynical view that 
that they, they paid him a good money. He'll be able to finance a few smaller films out of it. Or is it because he thought he could bring some nuance or something different to a film like this? And as we're about to find out, well, did he, John? Did he? So <laughs> before we talk about Meg 2, normally we do our spoiler-free episode and then we have a spoiler episode a few days later. We're not going to do a spoiler episode for this uh, for a couple of reasons. We still won't get into a lot of spoilers, but we feel that the trailer for this movie spoils so much of it um, that yep. we're going to talk about things that are shown in the trailer. And so if you haven't seen the trailer, if you avoid trailers because of spoilers, this one is a good one to avoid because there were some major spoilers in the trailer. Mm -hmm. um, and we're also going to talk about stuff that isn't in the trailer that was in the IMDb summary, uh, which is at the beginning of the film, but it is a completely different film than the second half of this movie in essence. Um, and that's what I think Wheatley maybe had brought to it. He's not listed as a writer, so that seems unlikely um, because it would be major changes to a script because it is stuff that has nothing to do with what we see in the trailer. But uh, if you aren't familiar with the first film, The Meg, it's about a giant megalodon shark. They find, uh, they unleash it, it comes out to the world, it attacks a bunch of stuff. This is the sequel. So yes, there's going to be, there has to be more Megs, right? Like there can't just be one, there has to be several. And you bigger. might be thinking they'll have to figure out how to hunt them, right? Yeah, bigger, the alpha. Uh, and and maybe, maybe they've captured one and have trained it, like Orca. Um, but then again, maybe not. Uh, maybe yeah. that is an irrelevant point that doesn't really have any purpose in being in this movie. That's, okay. Realistically, this movie is bad. Um, I, did, I, I don't expect it to be intelligent, necessarily, right? Like, I don't, expect it to be life altering or anything like that. I I want fun crazy action shark movie like I got with the Meg. And you get that in the third act. And it's what the trailer shows. Uh worse if you saw the teaser trailer for this movie which depicted like an evolution of carnivores like like who's the the real master of the food chain it's like these things and mm -hmm. these things and the T-Rex and then a megalodon eats the T-Rex. <laughs> Now, never when I saw that teaser trailer did I think that would be the opening of the actual movie. But it is. And that was jarring because I'm like, this doesn't even make sense like at all. I don't know that these things existed at the same time. Why do we need to see that? We get Megs are giant and they can eat anything. Okay. Why do we that need makes to see that they're the top of the in about two yeah. feet of water as well? Yes. Yeah. Which I'm just like, uh, that. none of that makes yeah. sense. And then it does introduce a creature that will show up a few other times and become a whole different movie. Um, that it, it honestly feels yeah. like you expect this film to borrow from other movies. Any shark film obviously borrows from jaws. They did that in the first film. Um, that's expected and fine. Um, this movie borrows from like the Jurassic world series a, a lot, like way more than it probably should be. Um, it, it has an espionage vibe at times because Jason Statham is apparently the world's like, most aggressive uh fighter for like uh, what, what's the word i can't even think of what it's called uh, eco warrior if you want to call it eco warrior that's the phrase uh that's what they call and him. like you're like all right i guess uh i guess that's the thing um that's where this film opens i don't remember if that was a part of his character in the meg to be fair it's been five years since i saw it so um i don't remember if he was like really pushing for like eco terrorism apparently he is now anything like that yeah, which that does hurt this movie. Paige Kennedy's character, there's a lot. He's like 
the callback guy from the first movie, he keeps referencing things. And I'm like, I don't, I don't remember what happened to you in the first movie that you're listing all these things, but I guess it's cool because otherwise, otherwise I don't know that this feels like a sequel other than like a couple of references there. And then Paige Kennedy's character constantly referring to like, well, the last time this happened. So I have a gun now. You're like, yes. Okay. I've been training. Um, yeah. It's like, all right then. Uh, so overall, uh, all of those things are major problems that just, it, it feels so disconnected and disjointed that by the time you get to the, the, the promise of the premise, the Meg, it, it feels too late. It's like, I've already checked out, dude. This movie's been boring. Um, there was a movie uh, with Kristen Stewart called Underwater a couple of years ago. That was good for that. It was really good, and nobody saw it, though. That's like, we're like, the critics were like, hey, this is actually a pretty good, like, sci-fi B-movie, and no one saw it. And this, that, this movie rips off a major section of Underwater. Like, it is, mm-hmm. so much of it is like, well, that's a literal scene from Underwater made dumb. They've like ruined the uh, like how intense it was, and that's like this movie's. We're expecting lighthearted and fun, and for a good chunk of it, we're supposed to not. We're supposed to be like worried and tense, and they don't create that atmosphere to really feel that. Um, and especially because again, I think the movie put us in a space uh, mentally that we're expecting, you know, crazy shark eating things. It's like. The, the shark eating stuff is very flippant and light. And it's like, we're laughing at rich people getting ate by megalodons. Mm-hmm. It's, it feels like they want us to laugh in those moments. It doesn't feel like it's supposed to be tragic. Like in jaws, when there's an attack, it's tragic. We are like, Oh my God. In this, in the trailer. And I think when it gets there in the movie, it doesn't feel sad. It's like, yeah, maybe these people deserve it. Like, you know, it's, nah. it's, it's awful that the tones are so all over the place in this film. I, I was bored for chunks. I was, uh, I didn't understand why we were doing what we're doing. I was like, I'm on, I like espionage type stuff. I like, you know, underwater exploration. It is underwater scary. That's why I think that film is really good. I, I was saying underwater as in the idea of being underwater, but also the movie. I was tense. Kristen Stewart crushes in that role. I can't remember who the guy was, but he was really good. Like there was a lot of stuff going on in underwater that I was like, man, this movie is way better than I thought it was going to be. All of that is opposite with the Meg too. Like I came in excited, ready to like, all right, let's have a dumb shark movie. And then I was like, why are we not seeing sharks? Why are we hiding in this thing? Why are we worried about oxygen? And why are they making up science like that? Oh no. If you, if you breathe out all the oxygen and in your head, you won't explode underwater. And a character literally goes, have you ever seen fish wear metal suits? And I'm like, are you implying that fish, anatomy is exactly the same as as people anatomy because i don't think it is like i'm not i'm no expert but like creatures designed to live in the depths of the sea definitely have different body composition than humans who don't live underwater like i don't think you can just be at the bottom of the ocean like if you want to write that off because again dumb movie doesn't have to make sense fine but i think it is uh it, it just is exemplary of the level of of we don't care. Give us your money that this movie seems to be going for. And that I found disappointing. Again, I don't need this movie to be intelligent or even competent within its own stuff, but it needs to at least be consistent with everything. And it doesn't feel like it to me. It feels very disconnected, disjointed, chunked up into bad pieces of other movies that are much better. And I was disappointed. Matt, I've rambled for far too long. What do you think? 
yeah, t- tonally, tonally, this thing is a mess. I thought, um, and very much. I've got. To, I'm not going to get this wrong. Meg two. I can't, can't say the Meg. Meg two. Mm-hmm. The trench. It was following a film which wasn't great, but it was fun enough. You know, it, it kind of it, it winked enough at its premise without maybe diving headfirst into it. I expected Meg two to be the biggest capital B in B movie of all time, and it isn't. It didn't doesn't feel no. B movie enough, and like you said, it, it it's a bit dull for quite a lot of the time. It isn't fun enough. It, it, no. If it's not going to be fun enough, then make it a horror film or or something adjacent to, not whatever this is. If you're not going to make it a horror film, then play into the fact that you've got Jason Statham kicking a 150 foot shark in the face and somehow repelling it long enough to run down a uh, a, a deck which is in the trailer a deck that's blowing up you know pff, go into that a bit more there's it just doesn't seem like i am going to throw ben wheatley under the bus here because he directed this damn thing he didn't know what the hell he was do- doing uh the, the the screenwriters we mentioned john hober eric cober and dean jajaris oh the hell they were writing they must have been having the best time writing this because i bet you know they had they must have had a few beers some takeaways and just being like right let's just write anything and it will be fun and it just hasn't just doesn't really work like that. Look, there are a mm-hmm. few fun moments in the film. Of course, there were. There are a few good moments in the film. Uh, I'm not going to say this film is an absolute write-off. It ain't far from being that, though. Um, yeah, the, the third act where it all goes down. There's some fun moments in that, and that is what I came to Meg Two to see. You know, stupid moments of people on jet skis with harpoons, you know, inexplicably barrel rolling out of the way of diving sharks. You know, I'm here for that. If the film had been more like that then you do switch off and you just enjoy it for what it is. But it isn't that for the first two thirds of this film, which is the most disappointing thing. Um, the, the, the underwater film homage slash rip that you mentioned has his moments, but then it just devolves into silliness. You've got Jason Statham punches an eel underwater, 25,000 feet underwater. He delivers a right hook to a hit, an eel. <laughs> That Tyson Fury would be sitting there thinking, "Oh, do you know what wasn't bad? It's it's <laughs> wild, but I don't, not in a good way." Um, the characters are, you know, the characters are stereotypes. You've got the big gruff one and Jason Statham. You've got the you've got the one who who's a bit less gruff than Jason Statham. You've got the uh, you've got DJ who is the ultimate stereotype, I think, in this film. Uh, you know, and you've got the the villains are the villains were less than paper thin the villains were the worst they were so bad and they play this certain moment off like a big reveal wound i didn't give a damn about it and then when um the fates of characters are revealed i also couldn't give a damn because they just didn't they didn't make me want to at all and like you said jb you don't expect certain things in a film like meg to the trench but if you're going to play off these big reveals and at least you know, kind of build up to it somehow. Yeah. Um, and Jason Statham, I mentioned in my review for the first film, because I checked, uh, I mentioned that he was having a great time on this film. He's fantastic in the film in an attempt to try and find an accent. And it's very much the same here. I couldn't tell if he's English, Welsh, Australian, American. Uh, get get to the station. What the hell was that all about? I listened to that today and I thought, I don't know what you're talking about. Um Jason Statham is having fun. I, I find him very watchable in this film because there's something about him. And I know you mentioned off air, in the right role, Statham's very watchable. I think he's fun in this film. Uh, I don't think he's good in it, but I think he's fun in it. And I, I also think like the, ga- the, the gang of misfits they have here. So Jason Statham is, of course, Jonas Taylor. You've got Wu Jing as Ju Ming. 
Um, you've got uh, yeah, DJ again uh, and a few others. Uh, sorry, Cliff Curtis's character. Um, Cliff Curtis, I do enjoy him as an actor. You know, they're, they're all fun together and um, there is a female member of the gang, but she's literally just, I don't know what she's there for, couldn't do anything. She's not given anything to do. Um, but they're fun enough together. There's some good banter between some of them in that third act. Uh, you know, it's when it has its moments, it's very, it's quite fun. This film is, it just doesn't have anywhere near enough of them. And another thing which really, really ruined the film for me, JP, not only mm-hmm. was it too long, classic, um, classic Hudson, uh, BAMP criticism there, but there were no stakes whatsoever. I did not fear for anybody in this film. So in a film with a, where, you know, one guy takes on, at least three, if not more of the greatest predators the ocean has ever given us. I wanted to feel like, you know, something bad is going to happen here or someone's going to bite it or, you know, there's going to be consequences. I didn't feel that once in this film, not once. And that is what that dramatic, that loss of dramatic tension did really impact the film for me. I wanted to feel something, you know, at least bite someone's leg off or an arm off or some fingers or something just kind of make, so you think, Oh my God. And when people do, um, die in the film, I don't know who the hell they are or they're paper thin villains. You know, there was a, there was a moment in the trench scene in the middle of the film, which I thought was pretty badass, um, involving a, involving a, a helmet with a little crack in the glass. That's all I'll say. It's like, oh God, it's like a ticking time bomb. Okay, so they're playing into that angle, but they didn't do it enough. I do think this film needed to settle, John, if it was going to be a, a B-movie kind of action comedy, if you will, dark comedy, or if it's going to be more of an, a, a, thr- a horror thriller in the vein of underwater. It, tr- it decides to try and be both. There's also a hint, you know, many hints of a nods towards Aliens, the film aliens throughout yeah, and yeah, yeah, definitely it just cannot live up to it it isn't trying to be aliens but no. if you're going to homage then at least you know try i john i i really really wanted to come out of this and be like jb this film is bad but god damn did i have so much fun with it the most yeah. disappointing thing for me was i cannot say that i cannot say to any of the listeners in good faith that i came out and was like that was a summer blast because it wasn't, it was boring at times. It's, you know, the dialogue is, is abysmal. I get that. It's Sharknado probably does it better, but it's too dull. It's not fun enough. It doesn't lean into the B movie yep. sensibilities anywhere near enough. And Jason Stason punches an eel underwater. I'm like, just, that, 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 that was all I had to see, but no, I, I wanted it to do well, JB. I wanted it to at least be a good laugh, but I don't want to see Meg three uh, or anything like that. But uh, looking at the box office for the Meg, that thing raked in five hundred thirty million dollars. That was a big, worldwide big, big or US. That's worldwide, and so this there's a reason currently for has two sixty million dollars as well. So let's just yeah, it, it, um, it, it's chasing that figure. So China only allows so many American movies to be released in China every year. Yes, and, and this is uh, for that market. But there's a loophole to that if the American production co produces with a chinese company which both yeah. the meg and meg 2 have done and meg 2 i believe jing Wu is one of china's biggest action stars right now yes, uh, yes. so it's making a bunch of money because of those two reasons one because it was allowed to play in china too because it has one of the it has a tom cruise level star in the movie for china so it's bringing a lot of people for those two reasons 
And the um, Meg had Li Bingbing, who is obviously a fantastic Chinese actress. Yes, so good. Uh, and again, that first movie had stakes. Like, I was emotional about her character yes. in that film. Um, yes. This one, the the emotions, they set up some stuff, and then they're like, nah, nah, we're not going to actually do anything with this stuff. Just bad. And also, man, the, the villains are the problem. This is a villain problem movie. One, because your movie is Meg. Two, the villains are the Megs. Are y'all the villains? Not people. And if you if you miss that, uh, th- we see this happening far too often. Where like we get people are bad, people are awful. Yes, they should get their comeuppance. But like, think of you know Jurassic Park. The villain are the dinosaurs. Now they're not evil. They're dinosaurs. They're doing what dinosaurs would do. So there's there is like you have like the the antagonist of in the book Hammond is a, an antagonist. Like Hammond is a yes, full on yes. villain in the original novel. 100%. But in the movie Spielberg has the lawyer as the human like bad guy, but he's not the antagonist. He's just like it's this is prickly. like repre- yeah, it's representative of the problems of of greed of humanity. But it boils in in Jaws. The mayor is a is a villain. He's horrible, but he's not the bad guy. Yeah, the shark is the bad boiling. guy. Yeah, yeah. He represents what's wrong. Why the why the monster is able to succeed, right? Which is in theory in the Meg too. Like the human villains are the reason the Megs are a problem again. But they're also like the bad guys like they're really the ones who you were like you're supposed to hate and it doesn't they they don't do enough because they feel vanilla you're like why would they why are they doing what they're doing and like give two dams as soon as the and and it's in a synopsis as soon as the quote unquote malevolence mining operation was introduced i thought oh damn Uh, oh damn because this is where we're going now mining operation there's something that you are going to get the the moustache twirlers down there. There's going to be some yeah. big conglomerate behind this. And lo and behold, when I and would have just been happy, John, with a if with a load of Megs, I don't need it to be like Jaws or Revenge where they've got a vendetta against uh, Jason yeah. Statham. But yeah. that is villain enough for me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it, it's sometimes less is more. And when you have a premise that we're, we're literally here for the sharks, like that's why yes. you come to these movies. Um, you're supposed to have a protagonist that you can root for and you understand that they are up against it and you want them to succeed, but you also have this fear that maybe they can't, maybe the obstacles are going to be too hard. And, and then you have the cool monster thing that you're like, Oh, well, this is the thing. And that's the struggle. Now, if you want to tell a different story, cool, but it does feel weird to package it. And again, this movie does package it around the Megs because they do show up, but they're not the central. And even there's another monster that's in this that feels so extra and unexplained um yeah. it's hinted at early it becomes a major element later but at the same time nope kind of stupid unnecessary uh there's actually a few there's way too many different creatures actually in this movie that are unnecessary um i feel again, it's too easy to beat sharks. these things as well yeah it's it's not good folks we're we really we again we aren't even saying like it's a dumb popcorn movie. This is like, we wanted the dumb popcorn movie and we would have been very content with that. It's the incompetence of the film and the inconsistency of the film. That's really so annoying and aggravating because it isn't the fun popcorn movie that the trailer sells at all. Uh, until again, the third act. But by that point, like Matt said, 
it's it's overstated. It's welcome by the time we get to the fun stuff that you're just like, whatever. Um, I'm going to quote, uh, I, I referenced the film cast a bit, but um, they end up, this is what you see in the trailer. There's an island in the trailer with a bunch of, like, it's a resort. And the island is intelligently named Fun Island. <laughs> now, think, though, uh, this was, I believe, Jeff Kanata on Filmcast said it. The, this movie shouldn't be called The Trench because it's really, the stuff in The Trench sucks. Uh, this movie should be called Meg 2 Fun Island. Better movie, like, right away. I'm like, like let's do it. Let's... Explaining, John, that it isn't fun enough. The island isn't fun enough. If if the film was the same but packaged with a new title, yeah. oh. I'd be saying it ain't fun enough. Yeah, I think Jeff's point was like cut out all the stuff with the trench and just focus. Yes. Let's be on Fun Island. Like movie starts in Fun Island. Jason Statham's annoyed. He has to take a vacation because he had too many vacation days. You know, like there's so many setups. And then and there's a little uh, yappy yes, dog. The Meg. Save the damn dog. Which is that the same dog from the first movie? Because it's named the I same. I think if it isn't, I think it's it's clearly a deliberate nod. But yeah. part of me thinks it was supposed to be as some weird running gag. Yeah, five. Well, because the dog's name is is a reference to Jaws. Um, the the guy who's playing fetch on the beach in Jaws. That's his dog's name. Uh, and so that like that the name is a direct nod to Jaws. No no shock. Um, it's also the dog that is implied is eaten by the shark in the first movie. It's never clarified, but the guy's like Pippin, Pippin. And then uh, the kid gets eaten right after that. So, like, the implication is Jaws had a, a appetizer of the puppy pup. And so that's I, – I've always taken that as a direct reference. And then I'm like, that's the same – is that the same dog? Because I don't remember because it's been five years. Like, this movie's asking you to remember a lot from five years ago. And I don't know how many people have rewatched the Meg. I saw it once. I thought it was fine. I moved on. You know, I know other people, maybe, maybe it's a comfort movie for you, uh, but that definitely didn't help this movie. Yeah, no. Uh, if you want to watch a film which takes better, which takes, an, uh, well, this film takes its cues from, like we've said, go and watch Owner Water. Uh, uh, Kristen Stewart, Jess Henwick, very, very good film, very enjoyable yeah. sci fi thriller. That is what the Meg 2, sorry, oh, there we go. Meg 2, The Trench, at times aims. Yeah. to be and at the other times it tries to be this over-the-top b-movie schlock and it isn't confident enough to be either and that is the nope. problem with this film if it if it's one or the other then it would succeed or fail on those merits because it isn't for me it fails because it's just all over the place i would have been happy john my my only my final thought on it is i would have been happy with the stupidest film ever of all time with jason statham fighting for uh, uh, unholy sized sharks and if you want uh, and winning fine i would have been up for that and come up with fun creative ways get him on a boat um uh, get him on a helicopter whatever you've got to do to fight these things and i would have been loving it just because it's stath fighting sharks they didn't even give us that despite the trailer telling us you're gonna get a whole lot of that in meg 2 and you don't and because they didn't do that the film suffers badly and it does go as a big old cross against Ben Wheatley because he directs this, this, this thing. And there will be worse films this year. There already are worse films in this year. But I am going to say, John, yeah. this is a yeah, this could be a contender for one of the more disappointing, considering that it should have been yeah. so fun. I th- we're we're basically done, folks. But just uh, I think the hostility that we maybe we're we're throwing at this movie is because we were like actually kind of looking forward to it, and it was disappointing in that way. 
there's definitely been worse movies i think this year but a lot of those it's like i went in with maybe no expectations or low expectations or like the meg won me over because i went in with a like very negative attitude expecting to be rolling my eyes and then kind of having a fun time with it yes and i wanted that with this movie and i didn't get it yeah i agree Um, my friend reminder that we won't be doing a spoiler episode because we uh, we got nothing else to say i think we've exhausted uh all there's nothing in the film that happens that warrants spoilers i'll say that right now there are no major moments unless you consider a twist to be one but it's in the trailer there are no major moments in this film the trailer for real um but that is our review of of meg 2 the trench i almost did it again but i caught myself (laughs) um matt and i don't recommend it so unless you really really want to see it uh you know you can skip it um that said let's move on to our next segment shock headlines this is movie and pop culture news uh that caught our attention since the last time we recorded matt what's your headline this week uh this one's coming over from the folks at entertainment weekly written by dustin nelson john the headline david Eyre says james gunn told him the suicide squad director's cut will have its time to be shared Air added that Gunn absolutely deserves to launch his DC universe without more drama about old projects. Um, I'm sure James Gunn is over the moon with that endorsement. There, yeah, you, you go and do your thing. Don't forget about me, though. You, you deserve it, my man. Um, come on. So we have got the news now that uh, hot on the press that Gal Gadot is coming back as Wonder Woman three, and then it being announced that no, that conversation wasn't quite had. Um, David Ayer is saying something that James Gunn apparently said as well. Um, Of course, David Ayer was responsible for the 2016 Oscar-winning Suicide Squad film, which, um, other than Wolf of Wall Street, really kind of launched Margot Robbie into the stratosphere for a lot of people. And look at her now. Um, But for the longest time, he's been saying that the film that was released in 2016 was not the film that he set out to make or the film that he was making. Similarly to justice league which years later because of that prolonged campaign we then got Zack snyder's justice league which despite being uh, 14 hours long was pretty good actually uh, i'll say yeah. that um and since then since then obviously david has seen that movement and god bless him i, I love a trier he has also uh sort of been banging the drum online less successfully i'd probably say but to get his version of suicide squad released and now of course the irony being that james gunn the later went on to do the suicide squad. And now he's having to ask him if he can release his original suicide squad. So this comes from a Twitter post, um, the nerd rage podcast. They debunked a picture of Jared Leto's Joker, where somebody had said, this is a new picture from the air cuts. You know, how cool is this? And they said, look, you're not going to call anyone out on this, but this was taken in 2016. So let's not get excited about that. And, uh, David Ayer, he, he responded to it and he said, and I'll quote David Ayer so I don't get, uh, actually I'll quote some of him because he put a long old tweet. He's obviously a paid member of Twitter. X. So he said, um, there's a genuine curiosity and interest from a lot of people about Suicide Squad. And I'm aware there's another group of people that have fun mocking the film. Your comment is a perfect example of how many are magnetically drawn discussion to the 2016 film in a negative way. That makes sense. Um, he then says, have you ever had an experience in life that you, that didn't until the way you wanted, that dragged you, that made you rethink everything? I have. All I know is my unseen film plays much better than the studio release. The interest in my cut being shown seems really inorganic because he created it. And Gunn told me it would have its time to be shared. 
he absolutely deserves to launch his DC universe without more drama about old projects. Um, so David Ayer is talking about his organic campaign that he started. And he went on to say that it's frustrating because he, about Suicide Squad, I made a really heartfelt drama and it got ripped to pieces and they tried to turn it into Deadpool, which it just wasn't supposed to be. And then you take the hit. You're the captain of the ship. My name was on it. Now, David Ayer has been uh, banging this drum for best part of seven years now. He's been for a long, long time. He's been wanting to get his the air cut uh, released. And of course, in the wake of the Snyder Cut being released, there has been in certain sections of fandom a desire to see an air cut of the uh of suicide squad again let's not forget a film that made nigh on 800 million dollars and did win an oscar for hairstyling hair hairstyling and makeup i can see the reticence for the studio uh warner just to, to want to change any narrative surrounding that they got a film that made money it, it, it launched an iconic character in margot robbie's harley quinn you still see cosplayers as her now and it got and it won them a golden statue they don't want to change that. Why would they? It's different to Justice League, which didn't perform well. It wasn't received very well, uh, and it didn't make the money they thought it was going to. So, uh, yeah, James Gunn has said that it's going to see the light of day one day, or it has, it's going to have its time to shine. I do not think this is a good idea. I respect David Ayer as a filmmaker and as a, as a person. I don't want to be seem like I'm needlessly jumping on him. Some of the things he did say did seem a bit odd, though. Um and I can under I, I understand or empathise with the situation he's in that he allegedly made this film, and it was butchered by the studio because they wanted it to be something else. Now I don't know that's to be true. I'm only going by what uh, David Ayer says and and Joel Kinnaman, yeah. uh, who stars it as Rick Flag in both versions of Suicide Squad. He he said that there wasn't a clear direction on that first film. He said there was too many cooks in the kitchen. It was being pulled in different directions, which would seemingly corroborate his story and i'm not going to say he's a liar because i don't think he is but i don't know if it was this heartfelt drama maybe it was so he's be he really wants this to be done james gunn says it'll have its time to shine whilst also then saying that he deserves to push his own dc universe i really want a clean cut from everything now jb i don't want to see gal gadot as wonder woman not because i don't like her as wonder woman but you can't reset a universe and still cling on to the remnants of the old one you have to cut the cord. Mm-hmm. let the past die as kylo ren said you have to and i think some of that does also involve past projects well what would releasing the air cut of suicide squad seven years later if it was to come out this year achieve what would it do i, I don't would it have that same uh intrigue that Zack snyder's justice league carried because whether we like it or not that piqued a lot of people's interest that whole movement as much as i'm not a fan of the movement or said participants for the most part it piqued an interest it got hype there was hype 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 for that project there isn't that for suicide squad and we've had a better film come out since in james guns of the suicide squad um i don't know my Mm -hmm. man for me i'm just going to lay cards on the table now and say like does, does the idea of seeing a heartfelt drama based on those characters that air gave us sound at all interesting of course it does it's always fun to see almost essentially a what if but i look at it now and think it's been so long it isn't going to change anything those characters are never coming back to reprise their roles it's not going to make the money that 
Warner Brothers so desperately need, apparently. And I don't think the interest level's there. And we've had a better film since. But, you know, I think Air's not going to stop until he gets this release. So I, I don't know what to think about that. And if Gunn said he's going to get his time to shine, maybe it'll get well, a physical release. Who knows? But the what do you think? Thing- are, are you sitting there desperate for the air cut of Suicide Squad? And if they did release it, do you think it's a good idea? Uh, no, I, I don't, and I, I don't have any real interest at this point, especially. But more, I, I, despite my own take on it, I do think Gunn and the other guy whose name I don't remember it, uh, that's like the co... Saffron. Saffron. Um, I, I think they set up where they can release this, though, because they have, like, we have the Batman, we're getting the sequel to the Batman that is completely separate. We get Joker, Foley, Day, whatever. Um the sequel to joker both of those movies are operating outside of the dceu proper um we we just got uh flash which could have been a movie that resets the dceu but is not Mm -hmm. uh, now Uh, it is a standalone thing except for aquaman 2 that's still coming out sometime later that's on one path we're getting blue beetle which is the, the first film of the new path that will not be the first movie though in the new chrono- chronology of it if i understand correctly the superman movie You're will right. be the first um so i mean as much as i have loved guns movies and i am a big big fan of james guns films it does feel like they are afraid to wipe the slate clean or or that they can have their cake and eat it too kind of thing where like they can do all of the things which Maybe, but I think you have to give away. I think you're asking a lot for general audiences to follow comic book logic that these are, these are one shots and these are, you know, continual continuity. And this is the, an alternate dimension version of Batman, or this is the ultimate Spider-Man versus the regular Spider-Man. And like, especially because we're so used to universes now cinematically or, or canon as well, aren't we? And to be fair, one of the things that I think DC did wrong in the first place was try to mirror Marvel rather than do yeah. its own thing. 100%. And too quickly. And it does, well. Yeah. And much too quickly, but th- it does feel like maybe now they're like, you know what? We're just going to do whatever we want. And that mm-hmm. also feels wrong. It doesn't feel consistent or that it'll work again. If you wanted to do the DC characters that were not in the main line, like don't use flash, don't use Batman, don't use Superman. You're just going to use swamp thing. And the, like Constantine, Okay, that could be cool because th- those characters feel different and new and unique. But we already have so many takes on Batman. We already have so many takes on Superman. And we're going to now have parallel takes because we are getting um, Batman Brave and the Bold, I think is what it's called. And I forgot now who's directing, but the guy who directed Flash. Um, uh, Machete. Machete. And that's going to be in the, the regular continuity. But then we're getting Matt Reeves' sequel to the Batman that is not in the regular continuity. And we're getting Todd Phillips Joker two, which I was already against before all of this, but it's only adds to my issues. It's, it's a lot. I, and uh, it actually ties directly into my article. So I think I'll, I'll jump into that if that's okay. Please do. Please do. So Nia DaCosta, who is an incredibly talented director, in my opinion, I, she's also a really big movie fan. She's been on at least two episodes of blank check, maybe three. And she's a terrific guest on that podcast that I love so much. Um, She is directing the new Marvel's film, The Marvels, uh, where we get Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, and uh, Monica Rambeau, who is 
some type of Marvel. I don't remember exactly oh. where she, she ties in, but um, you know, she was in uh, Captain Marvel. She was in WandaVision, and uh, was she in something else? I feel like she was in something else. She um, was in Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah, for like a second, right? Um, yeah. uh, oof, I forgot about that movie. Um, so Nia DaCosta is directing it, and she says in an interview with, I think this was IndieWire. Hang on. I gotta look. Uh, yeah, it's IndieWire. Um, that super superhero fatigue is real, but she's not worried about her movie because she's saying it's really <laughs> wacky and silly and different than everything else we've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to date. In fact, she says the biggest difference from the other MCU movies to date is that the Marvels is really wacky and silly. The worlds we go to in this movie are worlds unlike others you've seen in the MCU. Bright worlds that you haven't seen before. That part feels like Guardians, though, to me. Like, when she says yeah. that, I'm like, my brain immediately is like, have you seen the Guardians films? Because that's that's what they well, did. They do. Um, and then in this IndieWire article, they also brought in James Gunn, which I was like, wow, James Gunn's kind of the centerpiece of all of this. He is becoming the centerpiece of the superhero films now, uh, taking over the DC one, being the one director who's done both and been successful in both, despite the odds, mind you, because he did the Suicide Reboot, um, Suicide Squad Reboot, which is, you know, considering how Suicide Squad has its fan base, but also has its haters, it was a big risk. And coming off of the firing from Disney, it was a big deal. Um, but Gunn says, because the uh, in reference to all the other characters, uh, the Batmans and stuff, he says, because there are these incredible characters that we have in our hearts, and if it becomes just a bunch of nonsense on screen, it gets really boring. He's, his argument is, um, superhero movies aren't bad. It, it's Or the, the fact of having a superhero movie is not inherently bad. But if the movies are bad, if the, we're, we're missing the point of what makes them good, if you're missing the heart of these stories, they'll be bad. And I, I will agree with him because Guardians 3, I wasn't as hyped for, not because of the movie, but because of superhero fatigue. I'm, I've seen so much at this point. And I am a fan of the Marvel films, mostly. But they're wearing on me. And um, that's like all, all that talk we just had about the DCEU exhausted me i am like i don't care anymore i don't i don't think i i'd rather watch so many other things at this point that all of this talk it's not even like i'll see it i'm just kind of done talking about it in advance like it's so much because there's so many mm -hmm. things and right now all of it is on hiatus because the studios won't pay actors and writers enough yep. so like we don't even know when we're getting any of this which when you think about the problem with franchises is like actors age and it takes two years to three years to make a movie especially a big blockbuster like these it's it's very concerning that we're making this map of all this stuff where we don't even know what the future of the industry is yet and so for us to like that we have to care we have to be invested because are you going to go see blue beetle this in next weekend because it's setting up a whole bunch of new stuff yeah, I wish it wasn't. I wish it was just a standalone movie. So if we don't get the DCEU, it is good. Like this movie is good. Let's worry about this movie. I hope that's what we're getting with Blue Beetle. The the buzz I've heard has been positive, and I think that's yeah. what Guardians does. I think Guardians is three very good set. They don't they're MCU films that don't feel like MCU films. They feel very self contained. Um, yes, we see those characters outside, 
but the characters in the guardians trilogy i feel like are not concerned with the stuff that's happening and that's saying with thanos being a major part of it yes the stone and all that does tie in but when we're chasing that stone in the first film it feels like it's the movie's MacGuffin. It doesn't feel like it's the franchise MacGuffin, you know, um, at least from my current stance. Um, and I think that's what those movies were successful. And I also think that's why Suicide Squad, not the Suicide Squad, but right. Which one is guns? I forget which one has the, the Suicide Squad. Okay. Sorry. Then the Su- Suicide Squad gun <laughs> is concerned with that story and these characters in this moment, this is what we're mm-hmm. focused on. And that's what I think gets wrong is like so much of these other movies are trying to draw your attention to other things. I'm hoping to cost this film. The Marvels focuses on those three characters because that's already a lot. That's a lot to deal with. If it's worried about setting up like the rest of the MCU stuff, it's going to fall apart for me because it'll become less about those people that were there with right then and more about this overarching story that we don't know when we're going to get all of the pieces of. So yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Uh, I still like them. I still will like them if they're good. I will be critical if they're not. And I, I, I do have superhero fatigue, and I never thought that could happen to me. Yeah, um, I, I, I had to chuckle at uh, Nida Costa's quote there that there is superhero fatigue, but but not in my film though. You know, not the, yeah, I don't want to lump my film in with that. Like, the, the Marvels is going to be suffering from major superhero fatigue and I, I am the same as you i have got it and a lot of the problem i have with superhero fatigue is look bob Iger has been saying a lot of foot and mouth stuff recently and he hasn't come out well rightly he's been talking crap but one of the things i did agree with him on though was more about the quantity over quality that's been happening recently and in terms of marvel i don't think the shows have been that great i think secret invasion was I, I, that, that was not good um i didn't even watch it it's there you go and i know how much you 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 really dig um more so than me i guess the the marvel stuff the comic book stuff um but it wasn't great uh the stuff like even the stuff coming out echo agatha no interest don't care it why because they they, it's reactionary and also um i was speaking to my sessions co-host luke the other day about all of this and we kind of chalked it up to it was it's covid thinking We're, we're now at the back end of the covid decisions in what right mind would any studio at any moment say, you know what, we're going to announce 10 Star Wars shows and 10 Marvel shows. They're in the middle of a pandemic. They've got to do something. The 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 sheer glut that came out on Disney Plus and the le- that's from, to me the lack of quality in it has dulled my enthusiasm for the films. And the Marvels is a film which um, I think has potential. I'm looking forward to seeing... Uh, broke Brie Larson back again as Ms. Ma- uh, as Captain Marvel. Sorry, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Eman Vellani as Kamala Khan. I think she was fun in Ms. Marvel and Antonia Paris and Monica Rambeau. I've enjoyed the character when I've seen her on screen, but you know, Nia Costa's comments here that you know it's really wacky and silly. A lot of my problem with the Marvel films is other than maybe Guardians when they do go wacky and silly. For me, it blows. It just it's it's not great. And from what I've seen of the Marvels, it doesn't look mind-blowing. If anything, it looks a bit like a lot of the new Disney uh, films have looked, and it looks a little bit cheap, given the goddamn budget they've got for these films. Um, uh, so as for her comments, I know the whole the whole really wacky and silly thing, if you're having to set that up beforehand, it makes me think that maybe it isn't very wacky or silly, or it's somebody's idea that it is, 
And for me, it, it will be the opposite. It will be a little bit toe curling. I really would like to be wrong because I th- I'd like to see the Marvel succeed. I'd like to see all the comic book films succeed, but because I'm a pop culture vulture, but I am getting a little, well, I'm more than fatigued now because you have a new film every few months or so it's, so it would seem. And in between that you have uh, for Marvel, at least a Disney plus series coming out as well. DC have got the the penguin and I'm sure they're going to spin off more based on the films as well. So it's, it's, it's a never ending churn. Um, and, w- and with blue beetle coming out, like you said, it's, it's coming out not as a standalone, but solely to kick off a new f- uh, universe whether it is chronologically the first one we know it isn't but it exists to set up the new era of dc and i think that might turn a few people off john when they realize it is another film in another universe when in fact actually this is a new one so you know that one you've just seen with the flash guy yeah he's not in it they, you know those guys aren't in it you know it's nothing to do with them aquaman coming I mean, out in december doesn't count because it's not in this chronolo- chronology chronology it, there's 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 too much going on jb and the problem i find yeah. is the quality has dipped. I, I am kind of one of those guys who thinks that since Endgame, Marvel has nosedived. There have been some good yeah. films. Guardians was good. Shang-Chi well, was very good. I th- I think they should have let it breathe a little more before they 100%. dove back in. Because um, you had this epic finale and then, okay, we're back. Um, yeah, with Spider-Man. It, not, yeah, yeah, right. With only a few months. Spider-Man Far From Home was like months after Endgame. So, um, but... Uh, also, to a point, I think is worth saying. I don't think too many people are going to be upset about Blue Beetle based on the Flash because not too many people saw the Flash. Well, um, that's a great point. And Blue Beetle wasn't tracking to do uh, Gangbusters numbers, but it's you yeah. Know, if, if if you if you ask me as a normal Joe on the street when it comes to DC characters, I'd never heard of Blue Beetle before uh, until this uh, marketing, and I'm sure a lot of the casual film guys who are deciding what to do with the hard-earned money. Who's can, Blue Beetle? What's all this about? Can I throw out, though, if you have not watched the Young Justice animated series that is currently available on HBO Max, the last I looked, I'm sorry, Max, the one you watch for HBO, um, it it was originally a Cartoon Network series that mm-hmm. got only two seasons, and then it was like, delayed, and then like forever fans were like, please give us another season, give us another season, and I think they finally did. I actually haven't seen that. But the first two seasons are great, and Blue Beetle is a prominent character in that that animated series. Um, it's like it's a Young Justice is similar to Teen Titans, but it's like a different version of that team. So they're not called the Titans, but essentially the Titans. Um, a lot of the same characters, like if you, Nightwing and uh, Kid Flash, who is uh, uh, ooh, I normally know it, Wally, Wally West. Uh, sorry, I had my brain is dying on comic book stuff because there's too much of it. But um, mm-hmm. I would say check that out maybe before Blue Beetle if you can because it's really it's a really really good series. Um, I should probably watch the third season of it. But Blue Beetle is a cool character. Okay. But, yeah. I. Oh, but there's a but. I mean, but I, I'm still very apprehensive about any of the movies at this point. So. Um, yeah, I am. I'm actually more excited for the upcoming slate of DC films. And the reason being JB is Swamp Thing or, or whatever it is. Sorry, is it something? Whatever it might be. Um, uh, the Blue Beetle. These aren't characters I'm fully aware of. So I kind of feel like, okay, if that, yeah, they're setting something up. So there's going to be con- interconnectivity and there, there may not be like a, uh, a total start, finish and an end going on here, but uh, start, middle and end. Sorry. But I'm excited by the idea of seeing new characters. Had James Gunn done 
what a lot of people thought he was going to do and be like, right, the first film is Superman. Then we're going to do a Batman film. And then we're going to bring in all these, and we're going to do another Wonder Woman. If he'd done the same, same as he, you'd expect him to do, like the wheeled out the greatest hits, I think excitement probably for a, a lot of people, I don't want to say majority, but a lot of people, me included, would have just been dulled a bit more. I've, I've seen Batman, and we've already got a Batman film. I've seen a Superman film recently. I've seen Wonder Woman. Give us something new. Take the time to set up this world. You know, give us Blue Beetle. Yeah, take give us the best Superman legacy film you can give us, and uh, Brave and Bold Batman. Set up these existing characters. Do what Marvel did. Uh, and, uh, let me finish, guys, before everyone shouts at me. With someone like Iron Man, Iron Man was not the Iron Man who we all know he is now. When starting off with a film about Iron Man was a big risk. Uh, yeah, it wasn't one of the one of one with the A tier characters. You know, let's try and do that for DC. And by that, I simply mean let's not just lean on Batman or Superman. Let's create a stable of great characters that people can really dig. I mean, who would have thought that the the that pop culture and like general people would be loving a character like Thor? Now we know the character, comic character Thor, but that's just a a staple now. Let's DC now have the chance to do that. Build up the. Let's move away from just the the big three. Let's expand the stable so we can, so they can they can have confidence in the DC universe. Not just we need Batman and Superman to hold this glue together and Wonder Woman. Um, yeah, yeah. To the actual point, I do think there is super superhero fatigue. But the only way they're going to stop that for this guy is to release better products projects, and that includes streaming. There are some that are coming up which I'm excited for. But I'm not holding up my hope that by the end of this year, I'll be really championing a superhero film. And it is a bit of a downer. It is, folks. But that is our headlines for the week. We probably spent too much time talking about the thing we don't want to talk about anymore. But hey, you know, that's what happens. Um, Our next segment is media consumption. These are movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, etc. that we use to pass the time between recordings. Matt, what have you been consuming? Again, I'll explain slightly more in a bit, but not an awful lot this week, JP. I've been listening to Nightmare on Film Street, the the horror podcast. Uh, I've been listening to the horror show, been listening to Double po- Toasted sorry, and watching on YouTube and doing my usual classic, going down the YouTube rabbit hole. I'll listen to a song and then bosh, I'm off, usually like a movie soundtrack or a video on how to cook uh, a steak and before I know it, I'm now proficient in cooking kind of Australian food or something because I've been on YouTube for four hours and I can't stop clicking. Um, so I've been watching and doing a lot of that sort of stuff. Uh, I've been listening to uh, uh, an audio book. I've been listening to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Black Spire um, audio book because I've been going back and forward to pick my daughter up a few times. And I've just found that's what like I mentioned last week. That's when I listen to audio books now. And I can concentrate mm. on them and actually enjoy them a little bit more. I can't listen to work because, you know, plot twist, I have to do some work. So my mind is yeah. on that. So I've been listening to a couple of audio books and I've got a few more lined up. But uh, I saw a film this week, which I won't go too much into because I think we're going to be looking at covering it soon. But uh, Gran Turismo came out, the mm. new uh, Neil Blomkamp film starring the names who I'm going to forget. And I'm really quick. David Harbour and Orlando Bloom are two of them. 
So there's a two of them. Yeah, David Harbour and Orlando Bloom are your kind of your your, your star attractions. Archie Madakwi is the the character of Jan uh, Mardenborough, but yeah, but Jan Mardenborough, who is a a Gran Turismo player, who was who uh, won a competition to become a professional race car driver based on a very true story. Um, and as far as I'm aware, this film is pretty. You know, other than a few well, artistic liberties, it's pretty faithful to the story because the real, uh, the real Jan Mardenborough was on set as a kind of a consultant and also doubled as the driving stunt double. Uh, so a lot of the things were as accurate as they could be. Um, but yeah, do Gran Turismo as a film, which uh, I won't speak too much about, other than to say that uh, Jerry Hallowell is in it, Ginger Spice, who plays Jan Mardenborough's mother, and could be the worst actress. I have ever seen. Oh man. <laughs> or at least if not to be hyperbole, the worst actress I've seen this year and uh, possibly this century, <laughs> this decade is really, and, and I, uh, I do believe, uh, is she, is she married to Jerry to, uh, Neil Bloom Campbell? Is she going out with him? I don't know. I don't think she was, but oh. there, there's something in there. I heard something that there was a reason why she was cast. I think she might be best mates with the director or something, but my God, that was a mistake um so yeah gran turismo is a film which i know we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks so i won't say too much about it so other than that though jb um no sorry uh she goes out she's christian horner's uh wife who christian horner is of course the i believe he's the head of red bull racing so there is the link right there but um awful in the film but we're going to talk about that in a few weeks' time. But other than that, JB, it's been a pretty quiet one on the movie and TV going front, uh, looking ahead to Star Wars Ahsoka, which starts next week. So that'll be something I'll be looking at week on week. But what about yourself, JB? You've always got a busy stable of films and TV and podcasts. Well, um, listen to the Blank Check podcast. Uh, I there's They're still in the middle of the Park Channel Look series. Um, this week's episode was on Thirst, which I watched last week. Um, and then they did a bonus episode on a TV series that he did for the BBC and I think AMC in the States that I didn't know uh, he directed, nor did I know existed. It's called The Little Drummer Girl. Do you know about this show? I've heard of, but as you know, JB, I have not seen it. I know who's in it, though, and it's well, got a big cast. Florence Pugh and um, uh, Alexander Sarsgaard. Michael um, Shannon. And, it's, it's, and Michael Shannon, it's only a six-episode miniseries, so it does, I think it's within your wheelhouse, bud, but, um, <laughs> and, and it's BBC, uh, but, um, yeah, I want to watch it, I listened to the episode about it, it was the, the Patreon episode, um, because it's apparently some of the uh, Park Chan Wook elements really do shine, uh, but mm-hmm. I, I had no clue it existed until this episode, so I was like, wow, that's wild, um, I needed some comfort movies last week, so I, I had to hit up my Back to the Future trilogy. I hadn't watched it in its entirety for some time. Um, it Did used to be like a regular rewatch. Did you hear of any any rules being broken in those films or not? No. F- not your own logic. Perfect films, nothing wrong. No, uh, I do have issues with two. I think two doesn't make sense logically in terms of storytelling, but that's it's still fun. I enjoy a lot of two, but pretty much all of the future stuff makes no sense when you really analyze for logic uh, within the film's own logic. Um, I did catch a movie that we could have reviewed instead of the Meg, which is, oh no, we couldn't. I keep forgetting. They delayed the release in the, in the UK, the last voyage of the Demeter. Um, not great. Uh, there's some good stuff in it. Um, I, I, I think the performance is really good. I think the atmosphere and the setting are really cool. 
uh, it does really feel like the, the premise doesn't warrant a full movie. Like, it's just like, there's only so much you can do here that will feel natural uh-huh. and it's going to start to wear on the audience. And it, it kind of does. Um, it's, it's cool, but it doesn't quite live up to it. And also another movie that I think doesn't know its own rules and that drives me crazy. So, um, and then I rewatched TMNT, uh, mutant mayhem. Um, nice. r- great second watch. I had, a, I, I might've liked it even more the second time. It was, it's, it's really solid. I think it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did watch uh, a couple episodes. The the two episodes that are out for Only Murders in the Building Season 3. Um, I really love that show. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend checking it out. And uh, what we do in the Shadows Season 5, I think, is what we're up to. Um, I've been advocating for this show for years now on this podcast. It is so good. It's still funny. Matt Berry is a comedic genius. Um, love him so, so much. And he's so great on the series. Uh, this season's been really solid. Um, season six is fun or not season six. Sorry. Episode six is a lot of fun. Uh, I caught that up to date with that show. It's really good. Um, but that's it. Yeah. That's what I've been watching. Uh, yeah, I really was holding that hope that the last voyage of the Demeter would be, um, would be a, one of those kind of really cool horror nuggets, but you know, I'm hearing mixed things about it, but you guys over there, at least you can enjoy it because the idiots in charge of distribution in the UK, I've just removed it from the slate and we still don't know when it's coming out, which so many people in the UK film critic circle are they're not, of course they're not happy about it because we see other people watching it, whether they enjoy it or not. It's another thing, but it's a film that we were looking forward to and it's just inexplicably been uh, pulled off the schedule. So maybe one day, John, I'll be able to uh, agree with you or disagree with you on it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious. I think it uh, it's not unlikely you'll like it more than me, but I really, I wanted to have, a great time or uh, be like wowed by it. And it kind of just felt middling overall. But uh, again, I do think the performances are pretty solid though. I think Corey Hawkins, especially uh, the, did you see, come on, come on the, um, with Joaquin Phoenix and uh, the kid from like last year. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So Late the kid last, is yeah. in voyage of the Demeter. Um, did, mm, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Child acting. Yep. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- yeah but that's it folks that's uh our media consumption that's what we've been consuming um we're gonna get into our finale but before we leave we have to check in with each other make sure we're doing everything we can to keep our bloody awesome levels at peak operating levels matt how have you been saying bloody awesome it's very simple john pretty much jumping off what i mentioned last week and i've been continuing that sweet, sweet free time, JB. Uh, I have dedicated myself to doing uh, nothing, essentially, other than having a, a great weekend with my little one. Um, lots of cool things we got up to, and that was very nice to spend an extra day because uh, it's the holidays over here. It's the summer holes for the next brr, two and a half weeks, maybe three weeks. Ah. Um, but other than that, you know, I haven't been going to the th- theatre other than to see Gran Turismo. Um, I haven't really been watching films at home. I haven't been reading an awful lot. I've just been enjoying the time just to chill out. And even if it is kind of like mind rock going down the YouTube rabbit hole, it's just unwinding a bit, uh, getting the, it's not even, and it's not even getting the kind of mojo back for watching films and enjoying them and, and writing about them. Haven't necessarily lost that per se. It's just, I think it's good to unwind sometimes. I think it's good to do, do go on the YouTube rabbit hole or, go for a walk in the evening for an hour around the block or whatever it might be and just do things outside of the 
well the perceived routine so it oh. doesn't become a routine oh i must go home tonight and watch this film or i must make sure i go to the cinema three times this week because i need to watch these things i do it my, no i don't i don't want to feel like that for the minute i want to enjoy when i do go uh so i continued that sweet sweet free time and now i'm ready to uh sit back and watch some of the films i've been buying i've been i've been buying a few films on uh blu-ray like i always do i can't help myself um i can't even see what they are i bought hell night um house uh i bought rosemary's baby well i've seen that of course i bought that on blu-ray and i bought uh the black phone as well i bought that today in fact uh so i'm going to sit down and watch that soon uh, and just enjoy the spectacle and escapism of film without any anything else riding on it it's kind of that festival burnout pretty much but uh, i'm back in the mood now and i'm looking forward to seeing what's coming out this week in cinemas i know it's not going to be the last voyage of of the demeter but i'm ready now jb i've had a few weeks off and i'm ready to mm. get back into it but it's important yeah. to have that bit of time off i think i i've needed um i've been kind of diving back into movies that i want to watch versus like obligated to watch and uh I have, there's so many areas of film I still want to explore. And I have like uh, just in front of me, I, a coworker gave me actually had two coworkers give me a bunch of their physical media. Um, but one gave me like a lot and she had a, a crazy good collection. I, I mean, even included mm-hmm. some new criterion discs that nice. I was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know I was getting this stuff. Um, and I'm like looking at the stack. I'm like, man, there's so many movies on the stack that I've never seen that I've been meaning to watch or, um, some that I just was like excited to have, like I have the blue, white and red trilogy, um, which I've never seen. And it's been on my radar for a long time because that's why the, uh, three flavors Cornetto is, is named the way it is. It's supposed to be like a reference to the blue, white and red trilogy. So there's a lot of stuff I need to watch. Um, I'm sorry, the three colors trilogy, but it's blue, white and red. Um, I, I, so many movies in the world that I haven't seen that are supposed to be fantastic that I'm trying to get to that sometimes, when you're forcing yourself to watch, you know, 20 movies at a festival that are varying levels of, of good or bad, mm-hmm. uh, it can like, you could be like, why am I watching stuff that might be good when I know I, there's a higher probability that I'm going to enjoy this film from 30 years ago that I've never bothered to see, um, or that won an Oscar that I've never seen, you know? And, uh, it, it, it adds to that festival fatigue. I think that like, wow, I could be watching all these other things. And then once you are fatigued, it's like, well, don't have time to watch those right now. I, I don't feel like it. So it's been nice kind of wanting to dive back into stuff. It's one of the reasons I really like the Blank Check podcast because it gives me something I need to watch. Um, mm-hmm. Although I think they're about to, they haven't announced it yet, but I think David Fincher is going to be the next director. Nice. And I've seen all of Fincher's movies. So I'm like, oh, I don't have to watch anything for this festival or for this uh, run. Like usually even with the director I've seen, there's usually a few. I have seen all of the Fincher films. I made that a priority. Not I just watched Benjamin Button like last year, though, by coincidence. Um, It was the only movie of his I had not seen. I I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was better than I had always. I kind of was like never interested in it. Um, And it was better than I thought. Still very weird. Um, it's such a weird and, and it's a really weird uh, Cario in his filmography it doesn't make sense that no, he directed yeah. that movie um, anyways uh, I've been saying bloody awesome by uh, getting to know my new students um, this is day three when we're recording this of having new students um, it's a new year here yours, yours are taking their break we are coming back from it uh, one of the earliest uh, we've been back from summer um, and it's been going really well uh, I I there's a lot of obstacles in educators way this year for sure. Um, and we've been kind of demonized here in the state of Florida that we are the, the perpetrators of evil um, from some perspectives. And uh, that's always 
bad, but we, I don't do it for the government. I don't teach, uh, for the paycheck. Uh, I teach, I do need the paycheck, but I don't teach for it. I wish they paid us more. Um, I teach mm -hmm. for the students. And so getting to know them is always exciting. Uh, seeing them, you know, varying levels of interest in film is always a, a, a curious thing. Some who have a big passion for it and others who think movies are superfluous. And my, my goal is always to show them that they're not, that they are our modern day uh, history. Um, art tells us so much about the past. And it's really interesting to think about film in the future being that for other generations to like, assuming that humanity makes it. Um, or that aliens finally show up and like, hey, what, what, what was it like to live on Earth? Well, uh, here's, here's these movies that kind of showcase what life was like. Um, you know, giant robot cars uh, and family. So um, it's been a good week, and I'm really excited to see where uh, we get to go in our classes. Yep, no, I'm looking forward to your students realizing why, why even dogs call you a good boy because you're a legend, <laughs> and they're going to uh, enjoy having the best teacher in the world for the next few years. That made me think of Cosmo in Guardians Three. Um, so <laughs> you are Cosmo, folks. That's our episode. We're gonna be back next week talking about a superhero movie that we already just spent a lot of time <laughs> talking about. Uh, Blue Beetle is out next week and we are going to see it and we're going to be talking about it here on the episode. Unfortunately, Matt and I won't see it together because we live so, so far apart, but we reconnect every week to talk about movies for your listening enjoyment. And we like to hear from you. If you want to reach out on social media, we're on Instagram and, and threads, I guess I don't actually check threads anymore. It, it faded away from me as quickly as I was excited about it, but uh, a yeah. bloody awesome movie pod is where you can find us there. Matt, where are we on Twitter or X, whatever the crap it's called? Uh, Twitter X Musk world. We are at spam underscore podcast, B A M P underscore podcast. And still on Facebook where Zuck rules all bloody awesome movie podcast. Um, you can follow us individually. I'm at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all these social media platforms. Matt, where can they find you? You can find me whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and search What I Watch Tonight across all of the socials, including Letterboxd. And if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we ask that you take just a moment and give us that five-star rating on whatever podcast catcher you use to listen. It helps other people find the show. With that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Blah, blah, blah.